0: Fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Here's what we got coming up for you this week. Right, we got our invoice. We just don't
1: really understand what we're getting for this. The challenge now is how to continually prove that
0: value. As always, we've also got a great book suggestion towards the end of the show, and we'll be talking about learning from business books. When you read a business book and there's something that you think, oh, that's amazing, how do I keep that alive? Got some great ideas for you later in the show. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. I want to start today by talking about LinkedIn. Now, I think sometimes it's possible to have kind of a bad attitude towards LinkedIn and look at it as a pain and you know just a place where people are going to sell all the time. Actually, LinkedIn is the world's greatest B2B social media platform. And it's really something that you should be investing a proportion of your time on, on a regular basis. In fact, I did a special on this back in January. If you go back and look at episode 63, which came out towards the end of January, you'll hear what I've got to say about LinkedIn and how you can really maximize it. But one of the questions that I often get from MSPs is how often should I be posting on LinkedIn? Because when you look on LinkedIn, it, it looks as though everyone is posting all the time, but it only feels like that. The reality is, and I forget the exact stat, but it's something like only 5% of LinkedIn's users post more than once a week. So there's a huge opportunity for you to post great content here and start to influence people. Because if you remember, the strategy for LinkedIn is to use it as an audience. You connect to the kind of people that you would like to be clients, the business owners, the managers, the decision makers, the influencers that you want to reach either in your geographical area or in your vertical, in your niche. You connect to those people so you build them up as an audience and then you can use content on LinkedIn as a great way to educate them. It's the only way to build a relationship with your prospects, to educate them and entertain them at the same time, which of course we call edutainment. The thing with social media, including LinkedIn, is it's so disposable, you need to be in front of people all the time. In fact, social media gets the most attention in my three relationship building rules, which are daily, you need to post social media content, weekly, you need to send an educational email, and monthly, you need to send them something in the post, ideally a printed newsletter. This is how you build relationships with people. You find audiences of people to listen to you, and then you put stuff in front of them. You edutain them on a daily, a weekly, and a monthly basis. So if you're gonna be posting stuff on a daily basis on social media, on LinkedIn, what kind of content should you be posting? Well, when it comes to LinkedIn, and in fact, any social media, the general rule of thumb for content is that your own highly personalized real content is better than canned content, such as the kind of content you get from my MSP Marketing Edge service, and that is better than nothing. So we've got three types of content there, highly personalized real content, canned content, and no content at all, and that's the priority order. So if you can, you should be posting some real content. It might be a conversation that you've just had with a client. Maybe you wouldn't name the client. It might be a piece of malware that you've just seen. It might be something you've read on an IT security blog, and obviously you'd need to write it in a way that's of interest to ordinary people and not for techs, but that kind of real content is always, always going to outperform canned content. However, here's where canned content is useful. If you've got to post social media content on a daily basis, the canned content makes it easy for you to do that. I know I'm kind of talking down my own service here. I mean, the social media aspect of what we do in the MSP Marketing Edge is just a tiny part of the overall package, but me and my team, we fully accept that that canned content is never going to be as good as your own content, but it is regular. In fact, we provide enough content for you to post up to twice every single day if you wanted to. You supplement that with your own highly personalized real content, and that's very powerful. Because, you know, ultimately, all of these things are better than no content at all. And that's the challenge that many MSPs have. They just don't have any content, so they don't post anything. How can you build a relationship with someone if you're not putting your stuff in front of them? You've got to do that regularly. Here's this week's clever idea. For a very long time now, I've read a business book on average pretty much every single week, either a business or a marketing book. And back in the day, it was very much reading. These days, I'm more likely to listen to them on Audible, perhaps when I'm out running or just driving around in the car. But I do love books and I hoard books. Anytime anyone says to me, hey, Paul, this is a book that I think you'd enjoy. And if you do have one of those, please do email me. But anytime I have something like that, I'll add it to a list or I'll buy it and stick it on a bookshelf. And I will get around to it at some point. In fact, I have a bookshelf in my bedroom with around about 40 books that I've bought and haven't read yet. I've also got about another 10 in Audible that I've purchased as part of my subscription and haven't. Listen to yet. It actually gives me a great sense of well-being to know that I've got all of these books waiting to be read. I don't know why, I just like having all of those there. But the problem I find with reading so many books is actually retaining all of the knowledge. You see, I believe that every book has at least one good idea, every single one even a crappy book that doesn't, doesn't interest you. And yes, it's okay to stop reading a book if it doesn't interest you, but even those kind of books, there's always at least one good idea that you can get out of them. Now, for the very best books, I take notes, I write those down, I will translate them into something in OneNote, and I do keep files on those so I can refer back to them. But still, the knowledge doesn't stay in your head very long, so i found a really good way of keeping this knowledge alive. It's visual summaries of your favorite books. And I'm gonna tell you a couple of places you can get them from. You can get these visual summaries. It's like someone's gone through the book, pulled out the big ideas, and turned them almost into a piece of art. You can get these, buy them, print them off, you can frame them, and then you can hang them on the walls of your office. That's a great idea, isn't it? I'm just about to press the go button on a remodeling of the downstairs of my house, and it's gonna create me uh, an office, a dedicated office where I can work from home permanently. And I've been thinking about what do I want to go on the walls of the office? This is perfect visual representations of the books I absolutely love. Now, I don't think these summaries will ever replace the books, but they'll kind of act as like an aid memoir. Now, there are a number of sources for you to go and find these. Here are two websites and a social media network that could be quite useful for you. The first of them is called VisualSynopsis.com. And of course, we'll put a link to this down in the show notes on my website. But on VisualSynopsis.com, they've done exactly this. They've gone through all of the books, all of the, well, many of the big books anyway, and they've done a visual synopsis of them. And they are kind of beautiful, actually. They're large. You'd certainly want to get these printed large. But I'd go and have a look at those and have a look through and see if they've got your favorite books in there. A similar kind of service is called ReadingGraphics.com, and it's a whole series of infographic summaries of books. Now, I don't think these are designed to be printed, but you certainly can look at these and think, yep, these summaries would look absolutely beautiful if I got them printed. Something else that you could do is you could just go onto Pinterest. Have you heard of Pinterest? It's a social media network that's used for visual stuff. And if you just go onto Pinterest and search for book summaries, because it's all visual stuff, you'll see lots of visual summaries. A final thing you could do, if you can't quite find the designs that you think, yeah, that would be absolutely right for me, is you could always get a summary of the book or do your own summary and just go onto fiverr.com or upwork.com and get an artist to create a visual summary for you. I think if you can find something that's beautiful and that will catch your attention, stick it in a frame and stick it somewhere around your office, that would be a very, very powerful way to keep this knowledge alive. Paul's blatant plug. I mentioned this earlier as a source of canned social media content for you, but my MSP Marketing Edge service is so much bigger. In fact, over the last few months, we've sneakily introduced some secret weapons for the 450 plus MSPs who already use this around the world. These Secret weapons and marketing tools that you can use to generate new leads, warm up prospects, and ultimately win new clients. For example, there's a book called Email Hijack. You can put your name on the cover as if you'd written the book and give it away on your website. You're literally the author of a book about email security. And that book has been written so ordinary people will find it really interesting. There's an IT services buyer's guide. It tells people how to pick the right MSP. And again, it's as if it's been written by you. You can make it available on your website. You can print it and give it to prospects. It's very powerful. And there's the hackers toolkit videos. We commissioned a certified ethical hacker to do three common hacks for us and to film both sides of the hack. So you can see what's happening on the victim's machine and also what the hacker is doing. Now, my MSP clients have been sending these out to their clients. And my goodness, they've had a great reaction. They really have. Because the end clients have been coming back saying, whoa, we had no idea that it was that easy for someone to hack. Hey, we are safe, aren't we? What more can we do? What security training can we do? This is exactly the kind of conversation that you want to be having both with your existing clients and with new prospects as well. Now those are just three of the secret weapons that are available. There's so much more in the MSP Marketing Edge package, including content you get every single month and every single week as well. But here's the thing, we only sell it to one MSP per area. So the next step for you is to go and see if another MSP has beaten you to your area. Has your area been locked out or is it still available? Go and check it out now at MSPMarketingEdge.com. The big interview. Hello, my name is Bob Layton. I am Chief
1: Revenue Officer for Digital Defense. My history in the industry has been both of owning and operating MSPs as well as consulting to them. What Digital Defense's play is with MSPs is building out those fundamental security components that build a graduated service model, if you will, or pick and mix of what everyone's really looking for today and aids to the profitability uh, equation.
0: And I think there's a lot of confusion in the marketplace right now amongst MSPs about how to, A, deliver security properly, and B, how to turn security into an actual revenue stream and into a profit center. What kind of things are you recommending to the MSPs that you work with? It's a
1: really good question. And I would say everyone is at a different uh, operational maturity level. Operationalizing security as a managed service is quite difficult, but if you look at it in bite-sized chunks, it can be quite attainable. So what I always recommend to everyone is look for some sort of value that you can deliver to your clients today without having to go full-blown and and highly sophisticated. Think of it as a stair-step approach. What is something that you could deliver to them today that increases their awareness of their security policy uh, and procedures makes them aware of their their compliance status, um, certainly you know, with GDPR and, and other things, if you can give them that awareness in a very simple to consume offering, they'll take it up quite rapidly. But then when you go up the ladder, you can add more sophistication.
0: Oh, I like that. That's a, that's a pure marketing approach, that is, which is using something called a, a tripwire to get someone in the habit of, of buying something, and then you can obviously grow the value from there. Can you give us a practical application of actually what you would sell, Bob, and what you would get started with. Absolutely.
1: So I think most MSPs are in the place of where they already have very happy customers and customers they've had for quite a while. But the challenge now is is how to deal with churn and how to continually prove that value. What I've heard from many people is, They'll have someone in finance or in accounting phone them from a, from a client and say, okay, right, we got our, our statement, our, our invoice. We just don't really understand what we're getting for this. I need something here substantive so I can go back and show what we're getting for these services. And I think sometimes we, we forget about that when you get on two, three, five years into a relationship. So what I like to call it is proof of value. And that's what I would recommend everyone begin focusing on is how do I deliver proof of value back to my client that could come in many forms. It could come in the form of better client experience where you're actually doing more account reviews and more discussions on their posture, or it could actually be a product or a service that delivers proof of value and some sort of simple reporting package along with it. All of it is meant to improve communications with the client.
0: Would you say this situation is made more complicated because many of the end clients really don't know just how bad it is out there and how huge the threats are? They
1: really don't know what, what what it's all about, Paul. And um, with the genesis of this whole COVID and, and, and working from home, imagine, if you will, going from being an IT team, managing perhaps a data center, perhaps maybe a cloud contract or two, and then your own office, uh, office space. Now you're managing what, 100, 200? private networks at home and trying to deliver corporate information across them securely. So it's a much more challenging task. And I think for those that sit in the boardroom, they don't even really appreciate the risks that have been opened up to them in the last year. And now with everyone coming back to office, or some portion thereof, they're going to be bringing all of those risks back into the corporate network with them. It's a great time to really assess posture.
0: It is. But how does the average MSP actually educate both their end clients and the prospects that they're talking to? So one of the things
1: that that I've found to be quite helpful is something simple like vulnerability management. It's really not a new new technology, but what, what you can do with it today is quite important. You can deliver vulnerability management as a foundational service to your clients, allow them to see what they're exposed to, inventory all of their assets and applications, and just have a really quick snapshot on a monthly basis that they can carry into the boardroom and just educate everyone. Our marks right now are a B or B minus. We have some compliance things in order for us to be ready for for this next audit, et cetera. And giving them that visibility and being tied to that guidance and that consult is is incredibly helpful. And from there, you build trust and you can then bring in other more sophisticated
0: services once you identify uh, the need better. Bob, as a security expert, do you think that increasingly MSPs are at risk as their clients get hacked? So we, we all acknowledge that the clients don't know how bad it is, that they don't they're not doing anything about it. And some of the MSPs that I'm working with are fearful that if they don't up the protection that their clients are buying, or at the very least get them to sign something to say they've yet yeah, they've been offered it but they've chosen not to take it, that they're putting themselves at risk. Do you think that's a real fear or do you think that's just something that's that's floating around right now?
1: Paul, I think that That's very real and and it's becoming more well defined. I can tell you that in some of the states here in America, they are actually making MSPs legally accountable for breaches and for risks if they were under some sort of contract. So I I would think that the first thing you would want to do is really review well all of your agreements that you have in place with your clients, make sure that you know where all of the boundaries are and the demarcations of of responsibility. But it all really begins with just having good communication. If you had a client that's breached, I think probably the worst thing you could do is remain silent on it. I mean, I think you have to reach out to them and, and say, OK, right, you've been breached and this is not an area that we've been tending to for you. However, let us participate in your triage of it. Let us participate in your fact finding. You're not going to see many people step out there and do that. And I think we must.
0: I completely agree with you. Final question, Bob. I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball and look at the next three, four years ahead. We've all heard the term managed security services provider. And in fact, I've had some guests on this podcast in the last few months saying that to be a proper MSSP, you've got to really do it properly. You've got to have a, a SOC. You know, you've got to it's not just something that you can add on. As you're looking at the average MSP that you work with, can you see that all MSPs are gonna to have to transform into MSSPs in the long term? Or do you think this will become a very specialist area? Well, I think that there are going to be specialist providers, but if you think about the
1: MSPs and you think about this world of ecosystems that are evolving, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter whether you're in Manchester or in Austin, Texas, or New York City or London. You don't need to go build a SOC. You don't need to go hire many, many people. What you need to create is a really good ecosystem of providers where you can build a graduated service model. You can have a foundational security offering, you can have an enterprise security offering, and then you can have one that's completely geared toward compliance. And you there build great partnerships. And this is very different than it was before. This is not, I'm going to be aligned with one particular manufacturer or software vendor or cloud vendor. This is where you're gonna do a pick and mix and you're gonna build something of great value with a reporting package around it and a communication construct with your clients and you're going to use many many providers to build out your service stack it's not something that you have to go down the path thinking that you have to be the best or build a sock it's just not that i don't believe
0: okay bob thank you tell us a little bit more about digital defense and how can we get in touch with you
1: Absolutely. So you can find us at digitaldefense.com on the web, and we're a vulnerability management and pen testing company. And so what we believe is that all security programs need a foundational vulnerability management program to inform all of that security um, program overall. And so that's what we've been doing for the last 20 years. And um, you can find out more by visiting our website and sign up for a free trial. But we really do believe that Security is not as hard as perhaps uh, we make it out to be on the web.
0: Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. This week's recommended book.
1: Hello, my name's Jake Gardner from Gunners Office Equipment. I recommend the book Question Based Selling by Tom Freeze. It helps with a better way of conversations with clients so it gives you a good way of structuring questions rather than trying to sell so then you can ask questions find the problems and come up with solutions for the problems rather than just going in and pitching a bunch of stuff that is irrelevant for the client
0: coming up next week i am christian fleming from Northstar it i'm an msp business owner like you At the beginning of the pandemic, I decided to finally embrace doing my own video marketing material. And next week, I'm gonna tell you how to do it for yourself. It's a real multimedia show next week because we're also asking the question, should you do a podcast? If you knew how long it took me to prep, record this and my poll producer James to edit it you'd probably say no but next week I'll pull back the curtain tell you everything about how we prepare this podcast and look at whether or not it would be a useful marketing tool for you we're also going to look at how you can get more reviews from your existing clients how do you get them recommending you on Google on Facebook and on other platforms of your choice is actually a very very simple answer and there's a formula to it as well I'll tell you all about that and more in next Next week's show see you then made in the uk for msps around the world paul green's msp marketing podcast